What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the APC podcast from SB Nation and AcmePackingCompany.com. Vox Media, all that fun stuff. Talking Green Bay Packers all off-season long. I am Zach Rapport, holding it down in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I am joined by Tex Western. Tex is in the house, my house, literally in my house right now. Hey, man. Hey, this is this is great. It's it's nice. It's sunny. I don't get to see the sun in Ohio very much, so this is a nice change of pace. Is this your first time in in the ABQ? It is. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying lots of green chili so far. Uh, I've made a point to have every meal have some form of green chili involved. So breakfast burrito this morning, uh, Frito pie last night, some some really good tacos for lunch yesterday. So it's been a nice uh, a nice introduction to the area. And we are uh, we're similarly uh, complexioned. Are you wearing sunscreen, sunglasses, water? <laughs> you doing the whole thing? Here? It's, yeah, I <laughs> one of the things that kills me is I'm so used to the humidity in the Midwest that that just how dry it is out here. You um, feel it immediately. Yeah, yeah. And and I wake up in the middle of the night and I drink an entire bottle of water yep. and do the same thing when I wake up in the morning and. Yeah, it's a it's a little different than what I'm used to. But as uh, I uh, as I rub the back of one of my hands and it's like old paper, it's like <laughs> sh- shedding off. It's, it's kind of it's kind of gross. But anyway, uh, Tex, you were uh, you were. Oh, I should also say, uh, Sunny, uh, our statistician, the podcast uh, second place podcast mascot, is sitting right uh, right with us here as well. And um, he's settled down now. But Tex, he's very interested in your feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the the multicolored shoes or something. I don't know. He's a herding dog, so he's he's zeroed in. I see him, <laughs> Sonny. Hey, boy, this is good audio here. Um, oh, hey, uh, before we get started, do you want to pick? Uh, would you rather on on this monitor to my to my left here? Would you rather watch uh, an aquarium scene or a oh, roaring fireplace I scene love on the YouTube? Fireplace. All right, we're going we're yeah. going roaring fireplace. So we'll turn that on, and there it is. Nice, soothing, <laughs> very soothing. Uh, we're all set. All right, this is great audio for uh, for everyone out there. Um, follow the show at the APC Pod on Twitter, the APC Podcast at Gmail uh, for long form stuff. Um, at the APC Pod on Instagram as well. Posted a picture of our studio setup here today with our first ever in-studio guest, Tex sitting to my right. Is that stage right? I never know. Uh, Tex, anyway, you were at the Combine as we uh, as we touched on uh, last week. Firstly, have your shoulders recovered from holding up the microphone and stuff all day? <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I was I was actually joking with Ross Uglum of uh, Packer Report uh, th- last week about how, yeah, we we're going to have bolder shoulders by the end of the week <laughs> because we we're, you know, both holding up our phones, taking video and everything. Um yeah. Does that make you a better curler? I know you do that sometimes. Um, you know, most of the most of the sweeping, uh, most of those muscles kind of come from the back and the lower body, so it didn't really didn't really do me any good. But. All right, <laughs> <laughs> got to tie it in though. Yeah. Um, 
this is all, we're we're all we're all uh, all over the place in the order of uh, introducing our show. We're going to talk about the combine. Um, what else uh, you think you gleaned since our last conversation after um, you were hanging out with uh, Matt Lafleur and Gudekunst? Maybe not hanging out, hanging <laughs> around. We'll say um, we're going to hit on some news items. I did want to get this plug in really quickly before we uh, proceed. We've mentioned a few times on the air that. Um, Alex Patakis's um, Cycle for Survival team is still collecting donations. Um, that's an event going on uh, with Memorial Sloan Kettering, uh, the wonderful Cancer Treatment and Research Institute. Hey, there he is, Tex, exposing his Scotch, Scotch, Scotch t-shirt. Um, by the way, go. Uh, we'll put a link on, on the blog post. Um, you can uh, buy one of these uh, Aaron Rodgers-ish uh, <laughs> no copyright infringement. Scotch, Scotch, Scotch t-shirts. Inspired. And inspired, we'll yeah. say. And, uh, and uh, a portion of those proceeds do go to the... All of all of APC's portion of the proceeds has gone to is going to Alex's fund. And uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has bought already. Uh, we've raised over $180 so far. Awesome. Uh, for the uh, for this, this great cause. So thanks to everybody who's supported. And um, yeah, if you're a Scotch fan, you're an Aaron Rodgers fan, <laughs> and you want to um, get a couple bucks thrown, uh, thrown Alex's way, uh, check it out. Um, and as well, if you want to donate directly to Alex's team competing on uh, competing, participating on uh, sa this Saturday. So if you're listening to this, uh, if you are listening to this um, before Saturday afternoon, you should have an opportunity still uh, to donate. Go to uh, Twitter and find Alex at Alex Patakis. His pinned tweet and his profile has a link specifically uh, to his donation page. And we're going to put that as well in the blog. Uh, in the blog post as well. Um, all that money goes directly to Memorial Sloan Kettering to help fund um, research for cures for rare cancers, a really good cause. And uh, so, yeah, uh, thanks to everyone who has donated so far. And as Tex mentioned, people who have uh, purchased shirts um, as well. Keep that going. A few more days uh, to uh, participate in that. And now this very sloppy intro, mm -hmm. slapdash, all over the place can move on to news items as we hit the breaking news sounder again, just because I have nothing else that's more relevant on the board here <laughs> to transition into our news segment. We're just going to hit a few news items here, Tex, before we uh, talk about your combine thoughts. Uh, firstly, NFL sources expect the Packers to release tight end Jimmy Graham per report. That is the headline on the post on acmepackingcompany.com that I believe you threw together, actually. Mm -hmm. Um this report sort of coming out over the last uh, 24, 48 hours. Is this news? Is it a thing? I mean, it's kind of like a no-duh thing, right? I don't know. Yeah, and that's that's really all it is. Um, it's just some NFL source kind of confirming what everybody thought is going to happen. <coughs> that they also... Sonny? <laughs> <laughs> it's my Amazon package. <laughs> um, no, this, this isn't really news. Um, this is just some NFL source confirming that that person thinks what we all think that Graham is going to get himself released. Um, there's no sourcing that it's imminent. There's no sourcing that it's, it's even going to happen just that that's the expectation of some sources around the league. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just kind of confirmation that we're all thinking along the right track, but I don't think there's anything else yet. Um, to, to to lead us down the, the path of thinking that this is going to happen any day <laughs> it's now. like peak off season yeah. news storyline where it's like <laughs> that thing you thought someone else thinks it too yep. yeah that's exactly <laughs> it and and the way that the, the his contract works they can cut him anytime up to the start of workouts in the spring um and not have to owe him a penny 
Um, so there's really no motivation for them to cut him right away. Might as well, you know, see how the first day or two of free agency goes and then, you know, make your decision at that point. But, yeah. you know, his, they need that $8 million in cap space one way or another. Um, so it's, it's just a matter of when, not if. And it's just confirmation that we're all thinking along the right track. All right. Moving on, right tackle Brian Bulaga uh, said in an interview recently that he wants to finish his career as a Packer, but in terms of the Packers uh, reaching out to Bulaga's camp to talk contract, Bulaga says, quote, there's been nothing, uh, there's been no talk, unquote. Uh, Tex Bulaga is exactly the kind of beloved player that the Packers have historically moved on from. <laughs> Wrong side of 30, injury history, um, but it is a new era with Goody at the helm, and some would say the options to replace Bulaga right now are not, not so hot. Uh, where do you where do you come down on the question of should the Packers bring back Bulaga? Yeah, I, I liken this a little bit to the Chad Clifton situation um, around 20, 2009, 2010, um, when he got his third contract. He was one of the rare, um, the rare guys to have gotten a third contract in the Ted Thompson years, and um, it seems like. Belaga would be the guy to do it for, just given his all overall quality of play. But at the same, I mean, at the same time, you understand the the limitations that he he provides from a availability standpoint. Yeah, um, it was great that he he was able to start all sixteen games in the regular season this past year. And the one game he didn't play, the the playoff game in Seattle, wasn't his fault. It wasn't an injury situation. But at the same time, he also didn't finish four or five of those sixteen games, and I think he only played about eighty three percent of the offensive snaps. So, um. Clearly, if it seems like they're willing to let him test the market at least and kind of come back and see what um, what numbers he gets when he starts talking to teams during that legal tampering period, um, and that's kind of how it went with him the last time he signed a contract in 2015. Is they uh, he kind of tested the waters that, that first day or two, um, and then came back and the the Packers signed to a new deal right before the start of free agency. So I could see that being the case. Just um, you know, let him figure out what his number, what his value is worth, and and see if the Packers are willing to match that. Yeah, this also, I mean, this is not not part of the script here, but what do you think about the fact that free agency starts before the draft? I feel like this is a classic mm-hmm. moment where it's like, if you knew what you had coming in, yep. that would make the conversation totally, totally different. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be a, a draft first. Um, that would be my preference. But um, for for whatever reason, you know, this is always how it's always been. Um, and, and the NFL is the one the one weird sport um, where the the offseason is just laid out very differently, I feel like, than than a lot of other sports in terms of that player acquisition phase. Um, you know, the NHL, I, I guess the other thing, too, there is like ba- baseball and hockey, which are kind of my other two sports. Those guys, when you draft them, don't play usually in, in the top level for three, four years right, in many yeah. cases. So um it's not like you're drafting guys with the expectation of them helping your team in their first year out of you know college or juniors or whatever. So that that also kind of complicates things. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Um, but on a similar note, uh, reports are coming out that there is mutual interest between the Packers and Aaron Jones in a contract extension. Text the Packers and running back contract extensions are a bit like oil and water. James mm-hmm. Starks. Uh, got a mini deal we discussed off air. Perhaps Amon Green was maybe the last guy to get like a true multi-year extension. Is it surprising uh, to you to hear talk about Jones possibly getting a new deal done? This is this is another one where I think the his particular situation makes it make a little more sense. Uh, his first two years in the league, he didn't play a ton because Mike McCarthy didn't give him the ball that much. 
didn't really turn him into a bell cow back until his third year. So he's still got a lot of tread left on those tires. Um, you know, it, it, in terms of his workload, it's like he's only played maybe, you know, one and a half or two seasons in the pros so far. So from that per- perspective, um, the workload aspect is, isn't as big a concern as it might be with like an Eddie Lacy a couple of years ago when, you know, he was getting 225, 250 carries a year, every year. Um, so I think this makes sense from both sides for Jones. It makes sense to try to, to cash in now, um, before, you know, the potential for something, you know, some sort of injury hitting him. And then for the, um, for the Packers, certainly, you know, he looks like he's on the cusp of having, I mean, he had a great breakout this past year. Looks like he's, you know, ready to, to break into that top five back territory. And if they could come to some sort of deal early on and, and avoid having to pay him big, big money next year, um, then they'd be able to solidify that position for a couple of years. Yeah, I, I actually think it would make a lot of sense in a league where uh, moves like that um, often don't make sense. Um, it's a bit of a, a unique situation, as you described. Let's zoom out. We were talking about the team. Let's zoom out and, and talk a bit about the league um, in general. Uh, apparently, the league is considering rehiring Dean Blandino as the head of officiating. Um, Tex, I don't know about you, but why would you mess with a perfect thing? I mean, NFL refereeing is flawless, right? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I never thought I would say this, but please bring Dean Blandino back. Oh, my God. Because the, the L River on experiment these last couple of years has been a train wreck. Um, between the, the, the roughing the passer calls two years ago, the pass interference debacle this past year, um, it's, it's just a mess. And, and just the fact that they're, they're trying to coax this guy out of a TV contract uh, to come back and run run the show again, uh, they're creating new jobs for for old referees who've retired. Um, I think Walt Coleman's coming back in some sort of advisory. Walt, role. yeah. So uh, it it at least it tells you that they recognize that there's a problem. Even Mark Murphy said that uh, the whole thing with the pass interference calls didn't go great this year. So something's got to change, and they just they can't figure out what the secret sauce is to to get this to a, a stable situation. What a, what a hot mess. Um, one more note that we're going to hit on uh, before moving on to some combine nugs. Um, a CBA note, as the NFL Players Association sort of mulls over the proposed collective bargaining agreement text that you and I touched on last week, um, sources report that the proposed CBA would completely eliminate marijuana suspensions. However, players could still be fined for marijuana violations. Doesn't this feel like one step forward, two steps back. I mean, like, isn't the league essentially saying that the punishment for marijuana use then is that you're going to have to play for free? Isn't that worse? It feels hinky to me. I don't know. What's your take? That's bizarre. <laughs> I, I hadn't actually heard that until until just just now. And it's something yeah, I saw I, floating I, around on Twitter, like within the last few hours. So. It doesn't. That makes no sense to me at all. One of the things that I thought was really interesting at the combine was was Brian Gudikins kind of said that you know. And we mentioned it last week that, um, you know, they, they're starting to look at it more like alcohol. Like as long as you don't make it a problem, then it's not a problem. So if that's the, the opinion that the teams are starting to take, why they would continue to find for, for positive tests just, just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of the, it's, it's one, it's almost like they've got a, uh, it, they don't want it to be a strict rule in terms of punishing people with a suspension, but it's still like a cultural thing. Like, eh, we'd rather you didn't, but uh, I don't know. It just feels very wishy-washy. Yeah. And, and I don't know if maybe they're, they're still trying to keep something in there to, um, 
to pander to a base of of fans or or supporters that that still are are very anti marijuana. Mm. I don't know. I mean, that's that's getting a little tinfoil hatty, and and I'm you know I, I I don't know that I necessarily think that that's the case, but mm. I could see a little bit of that playing into it potentially. Yeah. Well, on the other side of the coin, though, you know, if this is a 10, 11 year agreement between the players and the league. Um, you know, states are legalizing marijuana. Yeah. Those dominoes are falling, you know, a decade down the line, half, more than half the states, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe all of them, who knows, maybe it's a federal thing. Um, it just seems like it's only a matter of time. Why would you, why would you just nitpick over this? Yeah. I, I think the, the, the best thing to do is just do away with it unless there's legal trouble involved. Um, and, and then they could, they could do it under the personal conduct policy. If you mean if you a, get pulled over by border patrol yeah, with they, like, well, or, or if there's like a DWI <laughs> or a DUI or something like that, um, then, then it would fall under like the personal conduct policy, not against the, the drug use policy. Who was the, pl- some player got pulled over with like a hundred and it was like a ridiculous amount Oh um, yeah, um, wasn't that Latroy Guyon a couple years ago? No, I mean like just oh, recently. Well, I know Muhammad Wilkerson just got uh, pulled over for a DUI too. Um, but yeah, oh, who was that? Hang on, Google break. No, it was uh, offensive tackle Greg Robinson got oh, pulled over right. with 157 pounds of marijuana. <laughs> as as I hope uh, you guys out there can tell by by our banter, I am not anti marijuana. Um, in a past life, I was very, very pro marijuana, uh, but let's just say I'm cool with it. But I just thought that that was funny because that is such a comically large amount of marijuana, which doesn't really weigh that much. If you have a car with a hundred, that's, 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 that's half of his body weight in in marijuana. I just, but volume wise, it's like, were you driving like a budget truck? Like what? I just. Anyway, all right, we're getting we're getting off the rails. That is going to do it for the news, and um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to dive into Texas observations, hot off the NFL Combine. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back and we are talking NFL Combine Techs. Um, I want to start off with the schedule because um, we, we've heard a lot of people complaining about it. Last week, you and I talked, you mentioned the schedule didn't seem like a big deal. Well, a week later... <laughs> You know, you're on your feet all day. Things are different than they have been in the past. What's what's the feeling there? Yeah, as far as the media goes, um, certainly media members don't like getting up to to have to do interviews at eight o'clock in the morning, um, and that that was, I think, the biggest complaint that that I saw from from the media people was mm-hmm. that interviews got with players got moved from mid afternoon to first thing in the morning. And before people out there in, in listener land start complaining, Oh, I have to get up for work at blah, blah, blah. I mean, but you were also up late writing pieces, I'm assuming the night before. Yeah. And, and a lot of, a lot of it with, with the combine too, is, 
um, the schmoozing, right? You're you're out, you're you're going and getting dinner and drinks and talking to other other media people. Yeah, Matt Bowen, team team scouts, <laughs> humble brag. Yeah, um, yeah, Matt's a Matt's a great guy. We were chatting for a while, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, the the schmoozing is a big part of it. And with um, with those early morning um, interviews, either you're out late and you're dead in the morning, or you you got to sacrifice something, right? Um, and then the 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 worst part, I think, even far worse than than my complaining about you know the the media members' perspective, is the fact that the workouts just seem to be brutal on the players doing that in in the evenings and in prime time. Um, I mean, how many of these guys end up pulling up with hamstring pulls on their on their forties? Um, there's a bunch of standing around in between drills. A lot of guys didn't even bother doing agility testing at all, which kind of sucks because especially. You know, for those of us who follow the Packers, they really value that those three cone times yep. and the shuttle times. So not having those numbers on a lot of these guys is um, is going to make it a little tough to try to project which guys are, are going to be good fits for for certain teams. So it, it just seems like the agents hated it from from that perspective for their players. Um, the media didn't like it. The team, you know, the teams and the coaches and the scouts didn't like it for the same reasons that you know they were out of the stadium late and and then had to be up early for meetings again. So. I didn't. I don't know of anybody who was happy about it, um, save for the the NFL executives who were able to rake in a little bit of TV ratings and get some additional advertising money. Yeah, I think it'll all depend on how much revenue that actually yep. ended up bringing in, because that was really sort of the impetus behind absolutely uh, the change. It's a bummer to hear that um, it it that it seems like it was affecting the players and their workouts. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It's one thing we know the NFL does not care about. It's their players, apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> You mentioned schmoozing really quickly uh, before we get into uh, talking about some players. Lots of talk from those who cover the Combine about the party scene, the nightlife, oh, yeah. libations, loose lips, rumors flying around, all that stuff. Anything you can share in that department? Did you get in any scrapes or jams? Did you have any awkward run-ins with anyone, like a coach, GM, media, or otherwise? No, nothing nothing weird or particularly awkward. Um, again, you mentioned mentioned Matt Bowen. Um, we were we were sitting chatting about the Packers and football and stuff for, for a couple hours Life. at one point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, he's a, you know, he's a wealth of knowledge and, and, you know, just trying to pick his brain and pick the brains of some of these other guys. Um, I, I did get a chance to meet up with a bunch of the folks from football outsiders, uh, which was great. Aaron shots and, and a couple of the, the people on that team, um, just kind of getting to, to talk with them about, um, kind of the, the thoughts process behind some of their metrics and the, the analytics that they do. Um, so that was great. Um, and, and those are all, you know, they're all great people. So it was, it was, it was a good time, but yeah, that's, that is a huge part of it. Um, but just in general, I think because of the schedule, the, the party atmosphere was toned down a little bit yeah. uh, compared to years past. Yeah. And it's a, it seems like a cool opportunity in terms of, like you said, getting to, uh, meet some of those, uh, some of those smart people out there in the football yep. world and, and pick their brains a little bit. And for everyone out there in, uh, in listener land, you are bringing that knowledge back to our content at acmepackingcompany.com. I'm so, trying. There you go. Hey, <laughs> wish I need like a cha-ching sounder <laughs> or like a plug. All right, let's talk players because that yeah. is really what the NFL Combine is all about. And we're going to focus on a few uh, position, interesting position groups that uh, sort of an intersection of interesting position groups um, where the Packers sort of have a need. And I want to start with uh, everyone's favorite position group, 
this offseason to talk about, and that is the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And there are a dearth of them. Uh, wait, dearth nope, means the nope, opposite. Other one. There, there's a, a girthy. No. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot. There's of, a lot uh, of good ones. There's a lot of good wide receivers yeah. uh, coming into uh, coming into the draft here. And um, I'm assuming you got to watch a lot of workouts and uh, just interested in uh, what stood out to you. Yeah, it was it was great because I, I did get a chance to see um, most of the quarterback and receiver workouts in person. And it was it was clear from from those workouts. Um, there are certain guys that just have something special when it comes to their their movement skills and just how fluid and comfortable they look, um, you know, running routes and, and track and footballs and things. Um, but as far as the, the, the time testing and things go, um, you know, a cu- couple of guys really stood out to me, Justin Jefferson from LSU. He's a guy that, that we've been mentioning as a possible pick for the Packers late first round. Um, the, the question with him was, was his athleticism. It wasn't his, his smarts or his, his soft skills, but it was just the timing. And, and he went out and, and just blew everybody away by running a four, four, three in the 40 which um that's fast that's 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 <laughs> very fast and that's very fast for a guy who his game wasn't predicated on speed at LSU so that's that I think he earned himself some some big money I think he's very much in play um you know sometime in the, in the 20s and it'll be interesting to see now if he ends up falling to 30 um another guy who who just had a, a tremendous workout is Denzel Mims out of Baylor and he was a name that started getting some buzz around the Packers in the last maybe two weeks or so right before the combine um but he had he ran sub 4-4 he was at 4-3-8 uh, he had the best three cone time of any player at the entire com- combine um and and the question on him is going to be his hands um he's he's been a little inconsistent catching the football but there's some highlight reels of him that, um, as someone on Twitter put it, call the doctor because it's going to be up for more than four hours. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the, the catch radius, the the leaping ability. A guy like him, it's it's very easy to imagine him fitting in as a vertical threat, um, vertical and intermediate guy opposite Devontae Adams, who can do a lot of the, I mean, who obviously can do do everything from the receiver position. Um, and then the one other guy who really blew me away was Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Um, the questions with him after he measured in at 6'4", 238, it was the, the Alan Lazard question. Do you move him to tight end? Is he going to run fast enough to play receiver? And he ran a 4'4", 4, 4, 2 at 6'4", four and 238, which is just absurd. Also fast. Also <laughs> extremely fast. Um, so, yeah, you could, he, you, could, you could put him as a big slot. You can you line him up as a... As a, a a deep threat on a go on the outside. Um, and, and he's got that size where you think he probably could be a, a, at least a decent blocker, you know, from the slot or, um, you could, you could probably even line him up in the backfield a little bit and, and play around with how you use him. So he made himself, I think a lot of money, um, on Thursday last week when he ran. Can you glean anything from sort of those top names that you've just talked about in terms of, um, who would, who would make the most impact in year one because the Packers need wide receiver help now. Yeah. And one of the, I think Jefferson really jumps out to me because one of the things he talked about at length in his media interview availability and, and that I specifically asked him about was his connection with Joe, Joe Burrow, the, the LSU quarterback. And he was talking about how they would, I mean, they would go out every day in the summer um, and just, he would run routes for Joe and Joe would throw to him and, and building up that chemistry it seems like he really identifies that as a critical factor to the the position of receiver. And let's face it, what quarterback values chemistry with his receivers more 
than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So from from that perspective, Jefferson he, he seems like a really intelligent player. Um, he he knows how to read zones and find soft spots and coverage, and it seems like he he really would be the type of guy who would make the time and the effort to um, to really work with Rodgers on getting that chemistry and getting in sync with his quarterback. All right, let's move on to linebackers, another position group that uh, you wanted to highlight. Um, are you talking like inside linebackers, outside, yeah. or both? Inside. Yeah, mostly inside linebackers, since that's the 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 critical need position. With this is like the cliffhanger. Is this finally the off season where the Packers <laughs> give half a crap about the inside linebacker position? Yeah, and it seems like <laughs> it it very well could be because a lot of the top guys said that they met with the Packers in formal interviews mm. last week. So Kenneth Murray at Oklahoma, um, he said his his very first formal was with Green Bay. Um, said it was a really a really good conversation. Patrick Queen from LSU, another big big name. Um, Zach Bond, the Wisconsin guy. Um, mm. So there's there's a number of guys that that are kind of in that late first round range. Um, all three of those guys ran really well in testing as well. So um, maybe Goody a little bit of a smokescreen when he's trying to like talk up. Oren Burks and Ty yeah. Summers, a guy who didn't really even play, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. yeah. So, hey. yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Uh, another guy, I think, in round two that would be a great fit is Ohio State's Malik Harrison, um, another very you know impactful, instinctual player. So, and, and then there's a our, our Peter Bukowski at APC. He's a big fan of Akeem Davis Gaither. Uh, he's a small school guy. He's a small guy too, out of Appalachian State. Um, he's that kind of modern day coverage fast sideline to sideline linebacker um and i think he, he said he played under 220 hmm. at linebacker in college but he was up in the mid mid to high 220s um he didn't run but um they, they didn't have a meeting with him and as peter has pointed out the last couple of years it seems like they've um they've they've met with a lot of players at the positions they ended up drafting early but not with the players that they ended up drafting early. Yeah. So like last year, they met with a bunch of the top edge rushers, but didn't meet with Rashawn Gary. Gary didn't even know that they were interested in him until they called his name on draft day. And that's definitely like a switch, uh, a change in method, uh, uh, transitioning from the Ted Thompson era to yeah. the Goody era in terms of uh, how they actually use these meetings because they only get so many of them yep. with players at the combine. Yeah, they and that number actually reduced this year too. Um, right. That was one of the other little changes that they made was you get uh, you get a bunch of as many informal meetings as you want where you're kind of in a they they send a scout or a position coach or something it's into informal. a room. You go to Chipotle with the guy. Yeah, you know, but but I mean I think it's I think those tend to be you've got a couple of team scouts and and people talking at the same time to the player and then you get these fifteen eight eighteen minutes you know, one-on-one interviews and the number of those is down from 60 to 45 this year. So they do kind of have to pick and choose a little bit where they use those a little more uh, carefully than they have in years past. But um, again, receivers seemed like they were meeting with a lot of the guys, linebacker, um, some defensive linemen too, which that, that could be a a sneaky uh, pick maybe day two, early day three as well. So if we're sort of reading the tea leaves on, on who, the Packers are talking to in terms of these meetings, maybe focus more on the position groups and less and less on the actual players. Yeah, I think that's the takeaway here for sure. Um, let's move on to the offensive line, another position group we wanted to highlight here. We just got done talking about Brian Bulaga and uh, his sort of uh, uncertainty there. Will they or won't they bring him back? Uh, Jared Valdir is a guy who's out there now who maybe they'll bring him back. Uh, but there's uncertainty there at the offensive line, and um, I'm curious to see what you thought of that group at the combine. 
Yeah, the the linemen, it's it's a very top-heavy offensive tackle class. There's a lot of really good tackles in this year's draft. Um, and, and there's probably five or six guys who could end up going in the first round, uh, and, and rightfully so. Um, there, there were definitely a handful of players that the Packers met with there, but maybe not as many as we were we might expect. Um, so that maybe that's a, a position they look more day two, a little later in the draft. We'll, we'll see what happens. But um, certainly there were a couple of guys who tested tremendously well. Um, one guy who's who's now shooting up the boards, his name is Ezra Cleveland. He's out of Boise State. Great name. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and Ezra was better than the rest of the offensive linemen um, as far as just testing across the board. So he's probably a day two pick now. So he, he might be in 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 play somewhere in that 62 range. Um, but if they if they wait, there's some interesting guys in the middle rounds. Um, one guy I really actually enjoyed talking to quite a bit was Jack Driscoll. He's out of Auburn, and he says that he studies David Bakhtiari really closely. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because Bach was you know coming out of college, he was he was a fourth round draft pick. The knock on him was kind of his size and his length. Right. Was he going to be able to stick a tackle, or was, or is he going to have to move inside to guard? And Driscoll's got the same kind of questions about him. He played right tackle at Auburn. But um, he's getting seen as as potentially a guard or even a center a little bit in the NFL. So he wants to pattern his game after a guy who um, proved those concerns wrong in in Bakhtiari. Um, And he could be maybe a fourth, fifth round guy who could be a really good fit if the Packers decide they don't need that, you know, first round, second round guy, but a guy who can come in and provide some quality depth um, and, and could be able to fill in in a pinch. Um, you know, probably at, at a couple of positions. Yep. I, I think the big question, right, though, is is do the Packers like Billy Turner as a right tackle? Um, and and only a, the people in the organization really know what the answer to that question is. So that could also, you know, w- what they decide to do in free agency in the draft is going to, you know, obviously determine what they do with Turner if, if they kick him outside. Um, you know, maybe they insert Lucas Patrick as a guard. Maybe they draft a guy like a, a Tyler Biotish out of Wisconsin or draft another interior lineman um, to play that guard position and move Turner out. Um, there, there's so many moving parts on this line, and, and the fact that there's some, some positional versatility there um, doesn't, doesn't lend itself to having any more answers any, any more quickly than, um, than we would probably like. Yeah. Is there any player who, regardless of their position group, um, you just think that they'd be a good fit in Green Bay? You you, uh, you saw a lot of players, you talked to a lot of players, um, and Green Bay has a very a very of the it. There's a very specific kind of person who I think really <laughs> excels in Green Bay, just like yep. as a as a place to live, as a community. It's different from any other NFL city. Yeah. You know, anyone come to mind? There's there's a couple names that I can think of from from an off the field perspective. Two guys really jump out at me. One was Raquan Davis. He's a interior defensive lineman out of Alabama. Um, the reason I say that is because he said his favorite non football pastimes are fishing and deer hunting. Sign him up. Right. It's <laughs> it's it, you you couldn't ask for a better fit there. Um, he said I think he said his his biggest catch. Uh, fishing was he caught a 16 pound catfish at one point down in down in Alabama somewhere. All right. So so yeah, you got that. Uh, that would fit really well. Um, one of the trends I noticed too this year is it seems like a lot of these players when they're not playing football, they're one of their pastimes is bowling. I don't know why bowling is is if it's making a comeback or what it is. It's super fun. I don't it, know. Well, it is. Have you been bowling? I, I enjoy, yeah, <laughs> I actually I was in a bowling league in high school and I wasn't particularly good, but I mean it's it's a fun way to to kill a, an hour or two. 
for sure. But it it's just it struck me that so many of these guys mentioned bowling as a as a good as a something they they enjoy doing off the field. Um, so one of the guys that that I really liked who who was talking about that is Tanner Moose. He's a, a safety from uh, Clemson. Um, he's a bigger guy though, so he's he's actually t- said that a lot of these teams are looking at him as a linebacker instead. Mm. So kind of in that that ideal Mike Pettin hybrid linebacker safety overhang defender kind of mold. Yeah. Um. But but along those lines, then um, yeah, the guy on the field though that I think is is the best fit um would be Isaiah Simmons, the other Clemson safety. Um. Well, I, I guess linebacker, but does he bowl? Uh, I, I don't know if he bowls. Um, it's I mean, like he'd have his team. He'd have like, his oh, teammate there. Too. Yeah, he'd, he'd have his teammate there to go uh, to to go set up a team with. Moose said he he averaged in the two fifties too. By the way, which is crazy. That is, oof. yeah. But uh, but Simmons, I feel like um, he 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 play or he practiced with the linebackers. But I think he could be that perfect guy as as that safety linebacker hybrid. Um, he he's he's great in coverage. Um, he he would be a, a perfect fit. Um, in the middle of that defense and, and giving Mike Pettin another really, really good safety type um, player who can also play in the box. He can also play on the line of scrimmage and play on the edge a little bit. Um, he would be the perfect Swiss army knife for a guy like Pettin to just, you know, start him at, at safety a little bit. Um, this is something I talked to, to Bowen about too, is, is start him off at safety and then work him into all these different interesting sub packages to find the best ways to, to put his talents on the field. Yep. And, and with how much the Packers love to play with three safeties anyway, um, you could really interchange him, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, all three of those guys could, could play all these different positions and, and you'd really have offenses, I think, um, off balance on trying to figure out who to key on and, and what their individual responsibilities are going to be on any given play. So Simmons would be, you know, that that's a dream scenario. I mean, he's probably a top five, top 10 pick. Um, so he's going to be long gone before the Packers ever have a chance. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that type of player, I think Moose could be that guy too at a, at a budget. He might be your late day two guy, maybe a third rounder. Um, so, so he could be your, your value Isaiah Simmons, right? Um, <laughs> That, that you find a little bit later and he tested really well too so so who knows and you know those cold cold dark uh green bay winters he's got a place to go that uh, <laughs> that he'll enjoy as, as he can head over to the bowling alley kill i some like time. the idea of him being the value version the roundies version <laughs> yeah store brand right <laughs> don't tell him i said that <laughs> anything else uh anything else or anyone else notable before we move on from from combine land uh, not necessarily even a fit with the packers but just like Anything, anything else? Yeah, from from my perspective as a Wisconsin grad, I'm always kind of keyed in on on seeing how the Wisconsin players do. Yep. Um, and the fact that Jonathan Taylor justified our faith in him uh, by running a, a fantastic four three nine yeah, in the forty was, uh, was fantastic. Um, he he ran he he obviously he ran fast. That track background, he looked so smooth coming out of his stance during during the 40 it it just wasn't fair so it was fun to see him him do that and i think he very much got himself back into to first round uh consideration there um and then the other wisconsin guy that i was kind of curious about was quintus cephas the receiver who um he ran really poorly and for as comfortable as taylor looked cephas looked equally uncomfortable Mm. uh, getting out of his his stance but then once the drill started and he was running routes and he was just catching the ball and not thinking about it he looked smooth and, and his cuts were good um, and, and I think that's where um, that's where you have to look at the tape on Cephas to see a, a player that, that you're going to want to get, and, and um, hopefully he improves his time at pro day a little bit. But yeah, I think the um, the one other crazy thing was watching Mackay Becton, the offensive tackle at Louisville, at 360 pounds, run in 5'10". 
uh, 5.1 seconds in the 40. That men that size should not move that fast. Should not be possible. Yeah, it it, it was it was truly amazing to see it's that like bj raji coming out of college you're yep. like wait how that that does not make sense <laughs> and and he was funny too because they asked him how he how he got so big and he just said it was it was all thanks to his mama's soul food <laughs> he said she she would make the fried chicken the the mac and cheese and the collard greens and everything and he's like that's a that's a really good plate there because you get you get your protein you get your starch <laughs> you get your vegetables that's that's a that's a good balanced meal so now um, eat eight of them <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 always fun to get the the personal stories of these guys, yeah. right? You know, Kenneth Murray, the Oklahoma guy, the the linebacker, he saved a woman from dying in a car crash by giving her CPR, mm. and then tried to drive away after she got taken away in the ambulance, and he knew he was she was going to be okay. Um, and and then he comes into the facility the next day at Oklahoma, and his coaches were like, "Did you save a woman using CPR the other day?" And and he's he's looking around like crap. How do they know about that? And it's because uh, a a kid who writes for the student newspaper happened to recognize him, and as he was driving by that day, um, it's it's guys like Austin Jackson, the USC offensive tackle, who gave a bone marrow transplant to his sister, who's got a rare blood disorder. Um, it, it's it's these types of stories that um, you don't hear about, and and that this platform for these players gives them an opportunity to uh, to tell some of those stories and to to be acknowledged for some of the work and the the things that they do um off the field and then there's ben barch's ridiculous shake which uh <laughs> that one that one was making the rounds because i i had to ask him what was in that shake that was the one with the seven eggs um peanut butter bananas grits cottage cheese and gatorade i believe it was our uh colleague john Meerdink who pointed out that that w- sounds like a textural nightmare mm-hmm. i'm very texture sensitive yeah we'll call it and just like a little bit of little verp comes up in mm-hmm. the back of my throat when i yeah. think about that <laughs> so so yeah but but that's that's one of the things that i that i personally enjoy the most about the whole thing is is just getting to talk to these 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 players these young guys um about their lives uh both both on and off the field yeah. and and that's when they really start to open up too. Is is when um, when they start to talk about something that they they really enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, outside of just their their life as a football player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy to forget during combine time. We're talking measurables forty times, et cetera. And you know, these are people. These are they're not they're not as as uh, our colleague Ben Foldy always says, uh, fleshy automatons. <laughs> you know, they're people, yep. and there's stories there there's lives there right and that's that's one of the things i always try to in the years that i've been able to to go to the combine i always try to bring some of that humanity to the the, the profiles i do of these yeah. guys and i i just i just hope that people appreciate that and that they're they're interested in that as well well i appreciate it um and if you guys appreciate it you can uh let tex know at tex western on twitter send him a little send him a little thank you uh, but that, that'll do it for our, uh, our combine chat. But I did have one more topic I wanted to hit on quickly before we uh, go get some beers in a quesadilla, if that sounds good to you. you bet. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk for a second about free agency. Um, the Packers spent big last year and they don't have a ton of room this year to go out and spend. But nonetheless, we're starting to get these bits of information to the contrary coming out saying like, oh, you know, guys like. Austin Hooper are being targeted by the Packers, you know, and we will dive into free agency more in depth in the coming weeks. But Tex, I'm wondering if if you have an inkling one way or another about how the Packers may approach free agency this year and perhaps if any observations from your time in the combine sort of come into play with that. Yeah, it's it's going to be 
fascinating to see, right? Because like you said, there's not that much cap space to play with, even once you you free up that that eight million with with releasing Jimmy Graham. Um, and you know, you've got to save some of that space for for contracts for guys like Kenny Clark, potentially Aaron Jones. Um, you know, and, and last year the they did the double dip, right? They they signed both Smiths and then they drafted a, an outside linebacker in round one. They signed Adrian Amos and dra- drafted a safety in round one. They signed Billy Turner and drafted a guard in round one. Um, and that's you know they got six new starters out of those seven players basically. Um, I could see the one you know the the one position where I could see that double dip coming is linebacker. Yeah. Um, I don't think I, I think the receiver market right now is so inflated as far as free agency goes. I mean, there's talk about Robbie Anderson, the Jets guy, getting fifteen million dollars a year, <laughs> which is just just ludicrous for for a guy who's never been a number one and, and hasn't really demonstrated that he's more than just kind of a deep threat guy. And the Packers would be looking at him as a number two. Right. You can't you can't pay a, a guy like that more than you're paying or on par with what you're paying Devontae Adams nope. to be your number one. Nope. So, you know, if your question is between let's say it's a uh it's a Robbie Anderson at fifteen mil a year or an Austin Hooper at a ten or eleven. Um, give me the tight end because again, this is a class uh, in the draft where it's a very weak tight end class. It's a very strong receiver class. So find find your receiver in the draft, um, and if you really want to add at the tight end position, find something to free agency. Same thing with kind of linebacker is you've got these levels to free agency, right? So um, the the big four names I feel like are Corey Littleton from the Rams, Blake Martinez, obviously. Joe Schobert from the Browns and Nick Wyckowski from the Bears. Yep, those are kind of your top four guys, and it's going to be just fascinating to see what the numbers come in at, um, based on how the linebacker market blew up last year. Right. So and we know, talked a little bit last week about how Spotrac had uh, Blake Martinez yeah. slotted to make like fifteen, sixteen million dollars, and yeah. you know that seems. Like that's not going to be the case, yeah. but the fact that that's out there as like that's what the market value is right now yeah. is a little absurd. Yeah, it's a little scary, <laughs> and and again with with how the the team has chosen to allocate their resources to that position, um, I think you're looking at they they probably look at a guy the next tier down, um, you know maybe like a Nigel Bradham who recently got cut by the Eagles, um, maybe in the five or six million dollar range. Mm. Um, now you can have the the discussion there. Would you rather have a guy like that or a guy like Kwiatkowski for let's say eight? Um, and then you have the then you go to well, if I'm going to pay Kwiatkowski eight, shouldn't I just pay Littleton twelve? And um, I I I don't know where I come down on that, but I do know that um, a guy like Martinez, as as much as you know, you, you appreciate the guy he is. Um, he has his limitations, and you need a guy who can cover. And, and be a factor in the passing game. And, yeah. and the other three guys at the top of that list are that type of player where Martinez isn't. Who would you, who would you, uh, of all those players that you just named, who's the one who helps the Packers beat the 49ers in the NFC championship Littleton. game? Littleton. I think, I think it's Littleton and I don't, I, I think it's, it's a, a pretty, pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Um, he's also familiar with, with, playing against san francisco and he's got some good tape against them too come on um, down in, including covering george kittle which would be really nice too um yeah cover, that's a novel concept covering, Cover George, that guy. covering george kittle and <laughs> tackling raheem mostert are um things that he has done and done pretty well and uh, things that nobody on the packers has done well this past year sorry everyone if we're like dredging up yeah uh, old memories let's see we're talking about the future now the future <laughs> is bright but and, uh, yeah, I, if if I feel like they double up, like I said, I think it's a linebacker. Um, 
but you know you you might see I, I, I see one big outside free agency acquisition. Um, and I think that's either going to be Hooper or it's going to be one of the linebackers. Um, I just don't see the receiver being in play. Hooper. Hooper. <laughs> well, you're a tight end guy anyway. Uh, yeah. so. um, oh, I, thank I, you. You noticed. I have been working. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey. um, but no, I, getting getting a, a veteran like Hooper, um, who's familiar, who who had a very good year in when Matt LaFleur was there in Atlanta a couple of years ago. Um having working him in with uh with Jay Sternberger that's yep. you know you go too deep there with with a couple of pretty darn good players I like it um and then yeah you add a dynamic playmaker at receiver with either the first or second round pick um and this and this offense looks very very different yeah um and then you've got the whole year two bump coming from from the second year in, in Matt LaFleur's scheme and, and Rodgers being more comfortable in it um, if that's how this goes this offseason, um, we're, we're, I think we're looking at a top five offense for sure. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, the year two bump. Have we moved on? Because with McCarthy, it was the year two <laughs> jump. So, But we have uh, to brand it differently now. I didn't even think about that, yeah. but that's a good point. Yeah. 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 New terms, new yeah. terms. All right. Well, the polka plays on. And uh, Tex, thanks for coming to Albuquerque. Yeah. It's thanks my for pleasure. sitting in my house. I'm. Uh, I was very excited to see a couple of hot air balloons when I uh, when I first uh, came out of the hotel in the morning the other day. It's so a thing here. It's it's kind of fun. <laughs> I want to come down for the balloon festival in the fall sometime. You just gotta. We we did it this year uh, in the morning. So you go down there at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning oh, when man. it's still dark and and kind of cold. But everyone's like out in the field and it's at the fairgrounds and like all the. Stands are open. You get your breakfast burrito. You get your coffee. You're out there rubbing elbows with the other local weirdos who are out there yeah. at five in the morning, and uh, they start to go up in the dark. So like, the lights are flashing, and <laughs> it's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah, no, it's it's it'd be a great thing to to do a little photography out there, get some get some cool pictures, and uh, just seems like it's a really cool experience. It is it is very fun. Um, we're gonna do it every year. This is our first time this year. We were awesome. super excited. Yeah. If you like what you hear, you can uh, support us. The best way to do that is to give us a review. Head over to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button if you don't mind and uh, tap that quick five-star button real quick. Don't even need to write anything, uh, but if you do, we read them all, I promise. Follow the show at the APC Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Again, literally no reason to be there, but we are the APC podcast at gmail.com for long form stuff. Um, any, any parting words as we uh, poke our way out of here? No, go pack. Go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what do you say? We, uh, we, uh, get some quesadillas, more green chili. Let's do it. Yeah. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.